Welcome to the podcast. If you could just start off by telling us a little bit about your company, Uni. Sure, yeah. Um, so thanks for, very much for having us. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's a great, great little venue. And um, yeah, I mean, so Uni basically kind of came out of our experience of university. For context, we graduated last summer. Um, and I think, you know, during our time at university, we sort of really kind of saw sort of the end of Facebook being used as like, you know, the sort of platform to kind of figure out what's happening in your community, what's, you know, what your mates are doing, that kind of thing. And we sort of really felt that like, actually the university community system was no longer working as it should. Um, you know, I think right now in the news, you'll see like, you know, just how much like pressure there is on students financially and how actually the universities are really letting them down, whether it's like, you know, marking boycotting or whether it's you know any kind of different sort of part of the university system I think students are really starting to feel like they're not getting you know what they signed up for and we wanted to build basically a platform that allows you to make the most out of your time at university um, in the extracurricular domain um, so be that like you know basically a place where you can find your people your passions your tribe like the different things that inspire you. Um, I think, in a way, a similar mission to like you know what you're what you're mm -hmm. doing here with the graduate guide, and just like be able to show people what the opportunities are out there, um, and yeah, let people kind of discover everything that's happening at the university. Yeah. So if we go back to this, the beginning of it all, like you you face these problems at university, and you want to do something about it. How do you go about making your first steps towards what, where you are now? Well, <laughs> good question. Yeah, um, through a lot of mistakes, I think is the first thing. Um, Omar and I met at a society event, actually, an entrepreneurial society event. And um, we kind of came together with different experiences with this problem. So I um, helped run one of Oxford's kind of biggest funk bands, and I saw how difficult it was to still engage students, all the ticketing sides and Omar ran sponsorship for the Entrepreneurial Society and sort of saw how difficult it was to seek sponsorship with scattered metrics about sort of demographic of following and analytics of all of that. And both of us had our own sort of personal mental health motivators between why we put such a focus on the importance of finding your people at university and realising that that's really what it's about. Um, and I think when we... Omar was actually already working on the idea. I was working on a separate project, more like a London version of a community system. And we realized that we had complementary skills, but the same ambition. And we were like, ooh, what if we were to come together? Yeah. And we kind of had like a series of, of meetings in this like room where we just like talk about all the stuff that we wanted to do and how we'd do it. And building on what Omar, the foundation that Omar had already built and the kind of plans he had and the grant that he won in an innovation competition. And I came with my experience from different um, extra extracurricular activities and then we kind of just thought like the best thing to do with these things is you have a load of assumptions and personal experiences and just like ask research test yeah. um, so we kind of bootstrapped our way to a beta product which we pushed out um, kind of towards the end of our Oxford experience and kind of towards the beginning of the new academic year yeah so and you talk about the importance of like you two working together and how important it is to have a co-founder obviously you identified things in each other initially that looked great to work together since then like how have you because there's another thing in that which is actually delegating responsibility how are you are you doing that how are you holding each other to account and you know what have you come to realize about 
who's better at what between you two? Yeah. We fight all no, day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, constantly. No, it's a, it's a really great question. I mean, I think, like, first and foremost, I think the most important thing, like, with your co-founder is basically to have someone who, no matter what, like, late night, when you're stressed, when you're worried, when maybe financially you're not doing well because, you know, this stuff doesn't, you know, there's no money in it, and, uh, you know, potentially ever, you know, the risks are so high, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, having that co-founder who you can kind of just, like, pick up the phone and really act as, like, kind of your sort of on-demand therapist <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah. um, you know, I think, like, that is probably, like, for both of us, like, mm. I think, you know, one of the primary um, responsibilities. And then, you know, when... I think just to pick up on that, I think we've also realised that we stress about separate different things, yeah. which kind of helps, like, mm. Omar's very good at calming down about certain areas that I will get very het up about and vice versa. And I don't, I don't really... That just naturally kind of happened. It's not like we're forcing, like, it's not like I think, OK, he's stressed about that, I'm going to stress about this. I think naturally the way our characters work... Um, is that we kind of worry about different stuff and enable to provide the different perspective on those things when the problems emerge. Yeah. yeah, I think the whole concept of stress is interesting because when people think of entrepreneurship or aren't in it, they see all the all the limelight, all the good things, all the LinkedIn posts about how good it's going. But you know, what has Guil- been guilty for the LinkedIn? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, what has been your experience with um, sort of managing the stresses of businesses? Because you've both got great degrees from the University of Oxford. The easy choice would just be into a to go to a corporate career where you know you've got a set wage, you you know what you're doing, but at, at such a young age, it's it's a, it's a risky thing to do. Like, how are you? You know, what lessons have you learned along the way about de- managing that stress? Yeah, I mean, yeah, great question. I think like again, making mistakes and you know realizing that actually you're not perfect at managing your own stress, and so taking a moment to kind of just be like, okay. It's like normalizing your emotions a little bit and be like, okay, it's okay that I'm feeling this way. Like realistically, the stuff that we have embarked on and the stuff that we have put on ourselves, you know, I think for anyone could, well, at some points show stress fractures, cracks, whatever. Um, I think, you know, what's great is we've both definitely through our own separate, like kind of mental health journeys, um, went through that whole process of like, you know, I think when I was definitely younger a bit, I would not really talk about my own mental health stuff. I kind of bottled it all up and separately prior to this kind of embarking on this business journey you know that kind of really brought me to sort of a you know rock bottom in some senses in the sense that like I had to like you know it got to a point where I had to reach out I had to go and seek help had to get therapy had to start talking to my friends about it my family about it that kind of thing um so actually I think maybe part of it is that we've both kind of gone through our own stuff beforehand and actually that resilience came from that and learning from that and then you know, having gone through that, we then had each other that we could kind of support. Because ultimately, you know, I think it's a lot easier to help someone else rationalise and go through their own emotions sometimes than it is to do it for yourself. So if you have someone who you can do that with, who can sort of bounce that rationalisation process off is super helpful. But yeah, definitely, like, the simple things, I mean, everyone's kind of different. I'm like, you know, if I'm not getting enough sport in, like, you know, if I'm not got, if I'm not got a good routine in place... Um, etc then like that's kind of when I might start to slide and then the stuff in business you know that the stresses that come up in business start to become difficult stresses whereas normally I think like you know the sort of business stress that comes up to me is actually quite like dealable I can I can manage it relative to the stuff perhaps that Mm -hmm. I've gone through personally before I think you know when things are things are going wrong in your friends lives or whatever you know that stuff where you have that real like you know 
you're seeing your loved ones go through stuff. I think that's a, that's a really, like, mm. it's a harder thing to deal with than perhaps just like the trials and tribulations of business, so, yeah. Yeah, see, that's something that, you know, maybe hardened you before you went into business, but you know, think about things before you went into business. Yeah. When did you, you know, both of you realize that you had an entrepreneurial element in yourself? Because I think, you know, for some people at university, it's really hard to know when, you know, some people, everyone's like, oh, I'm a natural entrepreneur. And you have some people that just say they fell into it. What, what's mm. both of your stories with entrepreneurship? I, I mean, I've done a lot of thinking about this because I think in terms of also like optimizing the skills you have, knowing where they come, where they've come from is, is, is very useful. Um, in my, in my case, I, from like a very young age was that person in the playground, like trading stickers, like being very attention seeking starting clubs like always galvanizing different communities around like literally since i was like five i started like this yoga meditation community because i saw all of these yummy mummies at the playground and realized that we wanted to be our mums and had like 55 year olds meditating <laughs> and i remember the head teacher being like well, how have you done this and i was like i don't i don't know i just kind of like realized that i loved creating communities around like different things that excited me and then that kind of developed into various projects and putting on plays and running bands and kind of like obsessively I mean you know almost looking for myself in loads of different in sort of different avenues um at university then like during the lockdown I did about five internships of different startups and realized that I like lived for the for the drive of building something out of nothing mm. um in my year abroad I went to live in 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 like Cuba and the experience there of like building a whole life and structuring myself Amy Brothers again that I, I just love finding and building communities and, and speaking people's languages and like trying to work around that. And the impact that I realized different projects could have on other people. And I think like I don't have very many skills that are mine. I think I'm one of the things that potentially I, I am good at is identifying skills in other people and like realizing and putting them together and realizing that what they can do and I think that's actually quite cool with with uni is it's really allowing students to to kind of like fulfill their potential at university mm. and those are always the messages that we get from users that like push me through the day when it's like oh my god without this I wouldn't have without you know when we had the beta out or when we were like encouraging students to put on events like without you guys we would have never have made this goal come true um so for me yeah it's all been about finding and building communities and and realizing that like I'm a little bit addicted to kind of risk and worry and th that kind of stress that we identified earlier is like being the kind of adrenaline that I kind of love, like an extreme sport, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, I don't know. I mean, definitely, I think like taking away from that, I mean, George is like very clear in the sense that like, you know, you have a real passion for like impact within the community. And I think that's something that we also kind of bonded over in terms of just like a shared motivation for the general space we're in, in terms of like, why doing that as an entrepreneur as opposed to maybe working for a company that does a similar thing or um, whatever. I think for me, like, it just so happened that with, you know, this particular problem, you know, when it first kind of came up to me, you know, you, you, you sort of like, oh yeah, that's a thing, right? Like maybe there's something there. And then you kind of go to bed and you wake up the next day and you think about it again and you go to bed and wake up the next day and you, no matter how much you try, you can't stop thinking about it. Um, and it just so happened that I didn't think that there was anyone out there who really potentially, you know, we would, we had just come from university, we were in university, we were working on this. So we felt like, you know, in a way we have, we're in a unique position because we potentially really understand the problem. Um, 
So if anyone's going to be able to solve this problem, we thought it would have to be students or you know people who are recently from university who understand that and you can connect to that, right? Um, so yeah, it kind of was a sort of, I need to do this because I'm th that voice in the back of my head that keeps asking the question, like, why is no one doing this? Why is no one doing this? You know, I, ha I had to put an answer to it. And you know, ultimately, we might not be successful, we might not, whatever, we might not do whatever, but at least I can put that voice to sleep a little bit and be like, yeah. okay, we trialed that, we tried that, and and yeah, and and um, you know, we, we we made that impact that we we sought out to do. So yeah, so you've kind of touched on there like that self identification of why you went into entrepreneurship, and then you're sort of talking about identifying the problem and then how you you know you couldn't help but want to change that problem. Right? Yeah. So it's two slightly different routes, but it. Once you have identi identified those things, like there's a whole other thing actually having the confidence to you know take that leap and start sure. putting yourself out there, start building the project. Like, what would be your advice to people? You know, and, and you're a great example because I have massive admiration for anyone else who starts things while at university because there's all load of things that come into it, social pressures like you know, oh, they just suddenly calling themselves an entrepreneur. Like, yeah, yeah. like, you have to go through that whole process. Yeah. I still hate saying it out loud. Yeah. As yeah. a term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put it in the Instagram, but I know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but so, yeah, what would be your advice to just, like, overcoming those fears and, and just starting it? Because, you know, starting things young is the best time to do it. The naivety that comes with it, the people respect that, like. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think, I think, start quiet right like i think you know interesting we have different advice here yeah go, go. Actually, um i mean not in the like you should go and speak to people and ask them like what's this problem but you know i think when i first started working on it you know i was kind of lucky because there was this like idea competition and you know you could kind of i guess position it as like a project right and i didn't necessarily have a grand plan of this is gonna like i'm gonna make this my full-time thing i'm gonna work on it whatever um but actually you know i think in the beginning, if you kind of go around and just speak to people and ask them like, oh, I was thinking about it, like, what do you think about this? Like, you know, here's a problem, did you experience it as well? You can really do that just in normal conversation without having to brand yourself as, and I'm gonna go fix it, and I'm gonna, you know, start a Fortune 500 company and it's gonna do really well, and you know, because then you have all that pressure and you're right. Like, I think it is difficult to say, like, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I met someone recently who, I thought this was I thought this was really cool and actually kind of maybe inspired me a little bit to start using the word. But you know, I asked them, "Oh, what, what do you do?" And they said, "I'm a poet." And they're our age. And I thought, "Wow, now that is like you know, forget about entrepreneur, a poet. Like the the history of humanity and like literature and everything yeah. with all the greats that have come before that. You know, to go out and say I'm a poet, I think that that's so cool and." You know, but I think, you know, we had that conversation about how, like, is it difficult to identify that? He's like, absolutely. But eventually, like, you kind of have to because, mm -hmm. you know, you, there comes a point where you've done it without identifying and you've kind of realized, okay, this, you build up that confidence slowly before you kind of, I think, make that, that leap. Yeah, there's always an element of faking it until you make it kind of thing. Like, you know, and, and I, that's often the advice of dealing with imposter syndrome, isn't it? It's yeah. like, you know... You're not meant to know how, what you're doing. Like you're, sure. it's, it's weird if you do. do you yeah, know? for but, sure. Um, Imposter syndrome is such a weapon, though. Like I think it's so positive to be in. I mean, it can be. Obviously, some people suffer. It. Like there's always a spectrum with these things. But feeling different in a room is like one of the most powerful things that you can feel. Mm. Whether it's because you think different or look different or act different, 
and my personal experience so I am part of the LGBTQ community and I definitely struggled with imposter syndrome and different aspects of that but what I've realized now is that there's I have such a unique insight on certain things because of whether I needed to like prove myself in other ways and like if you're if you're in the room like you found a way in there so like you're meant to be there whether it's through hustle or not and Oxford is actually a, a very good place to talk about imposter syndrome because a lot of people feel that and I think a lot it's actually a bit of a not to kind of plug this again but like it's why a lot of people don't get involved with extracurricular activities in whatever way whether it be a society for women in business because they've never considered themselves a woman in business like really if you like listen to you know at 18 19 if you listen to a podcast on business you could consider yourself that if you're starting to think in those ways or like whether it be you know going to an lgbtq night or going to an african caribbean society night whatever it may be i think helping people realize that like the room is kind of whatever you make it and like the kind of power behind that and to kind of loop that back to what Omar was saying in terms of advice about how to start when you're young and like having imposter syndrome with the word entrepreneur and feeling like you don't want to just like say it I think it's Omar and I are very different types of entrepreneurs and I think that's also something to be aware of like mm. you can be whatever type so Omar is and that's why we work well together he's very much good at kind of proving things and finding you know asking the questions researching everything that's not really how I work I'm a much more kind of like left field thinker I like to splat the gun I'm thinking about a million different things at once I like to start loud and like make myself accountable for something every idea I've ever had I've announced it before it existed and be like I'm this I'm doing this and then people will ask me about it and if I don't have an update then like I feel bad <laughs> and I, I like I literally do it with everything and I've it's taken, like, sometimes it's not positive because it pushes me to do things. I'm like, damn it, I said I was going to do this at the pub. Now I have to do it. But it's definitely made me realize that to a certain extent, you just have to announce, okay, I'm going to build an app and, and realize that no one really knows what they're doing until they, they say it's something they're going to yeah. do and they make the first Google search. And Yeah, I massively agree. And I think even though you're different entrepreneurs, one thing I would you know, say for both you is that you're, you come across as very authentic, like you know, you're authentically yourself, and and it and it goes into the business as well. You, you can feel it when you you look at your Instagram page or anything, like it's it's you putting you out. You're not trying to be anyone. You're not trying to, yeah. I, I, it's really important for your company as well. It's kind of all about this idea of being in a community and expressing yourself. And you're only going to make the most of a community when you're like you like you said, you put out what you are actually interested in, and you'll find the right people in that. What are your views on authenticity, not just in business, but you know, personal branding? And because you know, especially with your, you're not an AI company. Like you can't hide behind a computer. You've got to have your faces out there. And, you know, how are you making sure that you are being authentic with your voice? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think. Well, I mean, it's definitely something that, like, when you're thinking about, you know, if you try and put too much sort of strategy or too much like planning behind it then you're always going to be at risk of becoming inauthentic right i mean i think there's an element to which you kind of have to just chance and take a risk on your own on yourself be like look you know this is what i am i'm not going to try and hide this i'm not going to try and do whatever um and it's it's risky because ultimately you know especially if you're looking at kind of i guess brands no one really knows how people are going to react to you Right? It's very hard to, to kind of foresee what they might, someone might take issue with or someone might not take issue with or what they might like or not like. Um, but I think, yeah, I think if you, if you try and kind of 
I don't know, predict too much and plan too much, then you're always going to be at risk of, I think, you know, you kind of want to just rock up and, and show yourself. And I think another part of it is also given, you know, we have each other, which kind of like almost fact checks our own personality because we know what we're like behind the camera. Or behind the scenes. Of all yeah. the cameras that would be behind. <laughs> yeah, which isn't very many, um, <laughs> thankfully. Um, but yeah, we know, we kind of know what we're like, right? And um, I think what we've sort of, re- and this is something that Georgia has spearheaded, I think, in our like company brand as well, is just to really, you know, start authentic, start clean, and and you know, and and, sh- and have that consistency, and 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 and, and I think. You know, you, you can spot inauthenticness, in is that whatever the, whatever it is, <laughs> inauthenticity. Um, you can spot that when you see inconsistency, right? Um, but anyway, what, what do you think of Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, like, obviously, like, the word authenticity has, you know, kind of its linguistic neighbours in, like, author and authority and all of those, and all about that kind of taking agency and like writing a narrative and everything and and with branding like there is a certain artificiality like you can't help that because you have to put your best foot forward all the time or like you know put what you want out there and and and, you know sometimes you know Omar and I you know it's not necessarily always how we come across but if you're writing a LinkedIn post or whatever and I think it's it's balancing especially with how branding and storytelling is now showing the highs, showing the lows, um, and kind of like being honest and transparent about that. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think within, I think especially for our generation, authenticity is, is really key. Like, we, you know, we're turning away from kind of like the airbrush aesthetic of, of like old fashion brands even, and like being sort of more body confident or like identity confident. And that's like super fun. And I, I really, I mean, like in tech, people don't often really think about that, but like, I really am so excited about the opportunity of building a tech brand, an app brand with people and all of their authentic personalities at the forefront yeah. mm-hmm. and it not being feeling like too cold and like, just, Slick yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, cold. exactly. Like that is, that is, I think it's kind of a, a path that is being less trodden on and it's it's you know it's at the moment the fashion industry makeup industry is kind of spearheading that but in tech the the opportunity to build like a you know because our app focuses on in real life interaction and that's like the most authentic thing Mm. you can do it's like it's not behind the screen and that's the point like we want to get people out yeah so staying on that topic of authenticity obviously you've got it in your personal branding and in a business sense but the people that are attending your events and you know little uh, teaser, we might be doing some events together in, in, in the future. How do, how do you recommend um, you know, people go to these events and they put their, you know, their most actual self out there? Like, you know, I, I imagine in Oxford you, you said you, a lot of people have come to these events and you've curated this environment where you're trying to make it as, like, friendly and talkative and, you know, sure. but still a lot of people come back from, like, networking events, like, didn't really speak to anyone, didn't really get yeah. much out of it, yeah. didn't make any new contacts. How do you approach networking full stop? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think like with part of the problem, I think is actually on this is, and it's not like a purposeful thing, but it's something that we're trying to help with our platform. And I think those responsible of organizing these kind of events, um, I think they need to be kind of put at the front of things. And so to allow others to kind of see, okay, who's like, let's say it's a society putting on like a networking event with a, with a company, right? I think like 
those, those society committee members, the people running those things, and they do, they do do it and they are doing this, but you know, I think when you have like an impersonal event link or something, and it's like, share this round, join, you're gonna rock up to that really not knowing that much, right? But if you can, if you can really have something where you can kind of see who's running this, these things, maybe message them beforehand, see other people that are going, having maybe a friend there, or you know, basically breaking down the things that make us sort of socially anxious. And I think mm. like anonymity is like you know one of the things that will put that aside. Because what you'll do is, and I'm someone who I think on the spectrum of extrovert and introvert probably is sort of center introvert right so i can relate to people who maybe rock up to things where you know you're a bit unconfident but to go up to them and speak to them or, or do whatever um and i think yeah if we can kind of break down those steps into what what causes that social anxiety what causes mm. those issues then actually um you're going to really laugh and and i think really it's just having that that you know innate trust and understanding that this person is human being they're mm. there they're here you know and Going there, I think you know a, a good bit of a, a good tip would be to kind of rock up with maybe someone you trust, a friend or whatever, and at the start, you know, maybe go with them to speak to someone, mm. um, and let that kind of gradually build up your confidence, and then you can start to sort of do, separate and do your own thing and talk to people. And this is specifically a networking event, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just ease into it and appreciate that you know, yeah, your your body is just like got this weird anxiety like archaic biological fight or flight mechanism right where yeah. it's like if there are unknowns it freezes you up a little bit yeah. and some people feel that more some people feel that less i think um, what you've touched on is a really good point in terms of like the way that social anxiety is is often created in anticipation and what we've kind of really thought about is how can we kind of like engineer every different stage of the participation journey within an activity at uni and like think about okay as omar touched on how can we make this event feel as accessible as possible at first interaction with it. So when you first discover it, you can see, you know, on, on a group page for society, you can see all of their faces there. Okay, these are real people behind it. And like, there's a forum board and like, you can see how all of your friends are going to the event. Um, so those kind of little touches, I think, before you even enter the door, are just like, okay, these are the kind of people that are gonna be there and, yeah. and yeah. Yeah, and so to add to that, like, I feel like one of my biggest problems with big corporations or just modern business really is that you can never reach the right people to get your problems solved. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if, say if you wanted to change your flight at BA, you have to call people and call another person and stay on hold and, whatever, and you don't actually get to anyone who can have an answer for you. Whereas you're like fast tracking that process. But if you have any queries about society, yeah. you know, here they are. Yeah. And I really like, you know, you're making it a very transparent event and yeah. this is, it is what it is. Another thing I love about what you guys are doing is you're centralizing like a lot of different things like into one thing, which is, you know, you mentioned earlier about how Facebook is, you know, it, no one really uses it anymore, at least not in the university space. And, and so then there, there really is, there's, there's this massive hole for how do you actually find out anything? And every, everything's on these different apps, like, but it doesn't really work. Like, you know, there's ones for, clubbing there's one for like classes or whatever but like yeah. it seems like you're all you're putting this whole one experience on here and yeah i mean what what was your thinking behind that process um sure. of, of centralizing it all yeah sure um i mean i think again like there's there's a there's a there's a there's a, there's a, there's a vision and then there's like the baby steps we're going to get there so 
you know, when you're first, you can't try and do everything at once, and you can't try and bring everything all together into one thing right from the start, right? So you kind of do need to like hone in on some of the really critical things that you do want to centralize and bring in into one platform. Um, and then from there, you know, you can then sort of try and let users, I guess, tell you and drive to, you know, and speak, if you speak to them and say like, what are your pain points? Like, I think no matter what problem you're trying to face and or tackle as an entrepreneur or, or whatever you're trying to do, like, you know, you're going to think you know the problem, but until you spoke to people about it, like, you do not know the problem. And like, the second, the closer, the sooner you can move to like, going from your own assumptions to, to what people are telling you is the better. So, yeah, I mean, we kind of just like, looked at the situation holistically. And I think what we realized is actually like, these sort of student community organizers, um, who we really want to champion with our products. I mean, they have a host of kind of annoying problems that they have to face. So let's like begin by tackling those. Um, and if we can figure out what maybe the, the, the biggest three issues are for them, we'll tackle that first in kind of you know, the early version of the thing. And then, you know, as we start to iterate, we can and we get more people on board, we'll learn more and we'll start to, you know, really select what we kind of add in. Because you can't be a, an app for everything, I think. Yeah. Or at least, I mean, I think maybe Elon Musk is trying to be now. So <laughs> I guess we'll wait and see <laughs> if anyone could do it. it might I mean, be but him, like yeah. kind of Facebook kind of died fighting that battle. Uh, we were kind of saying yes. in the sense that it, like if you go on the Facebook interface now, it's like the most cluttered thing in the world. Yeah. And, it's, and it's just like, they've tried to go from dating to market. You know, some areas still kind of work well for certain communities and that's fantastic. But in terms of losing the engagement of the young people by trying to do too much and ultimately just becoming an echo chamber of media and losing all of yeah. the social parts. Um, I think also in terms of what like really drove, drove us to kind of centralize everything and, and, and realize what had gone wrong with previous products was the awareness that we were the generation that had kind of suffered mm -hmm. from social media and potentially therefore we should be the generation to build the solution. And, you know, whilst it's kind of like that sweet spot, we aren't, you know, I didn't grow up with Instagram in my pocket from when I was like a tiny porch, but like in the sense of, you know, in the teenage years, the formative years, it was very, social media was such a big part of it. But yeah, we kind of also have the perspective of the time before. And I think that is quite a unique perspective. And I, I really think that kind of like, I have this almost, I don't know, kind of vision that it's going to be people kind of our age that are like really thinking and solving this because no one knew the long-term impacts. You know, I don't blame anyone who built the like button, you know, because they didn't know that it was going to have that impact or like TikTok brain or any of these things that are emerging now. But like it is, we can see it. Yeah. You know, we all know friends that have suffered from it. We can see little kids walking around the street like glued to screens. And I think that it's really, this is like, whether it be this or the climate, like we've got to kind of take ownership of these issues, even if we weren't the people to cause them. That's why I think it's so important when you're doing you know, all within the boundaries of societies, right? Basically, that, that's where it's all stemmed from. And, and for me, like, it might be different at Oxford, but at London, it was particularly bad where, like, it's very easy to feel like you're not at the university because, mm. you know, unless you're involved in societies, I did history, there was four hours of contact a week, like, yeah, yeah. and, you know, you don't have to go into campus. There's no reason to do anything. And at school, I mean, I was, you know, very blessed to be able to do so many hobbies, activities, and... I think when you're young, you don't understand how much that's like contributing to your overall happiness and yeah, general well-being. And then when it goes, like it's your responsibility to then bring it back, or you need to be pushed into it or like mm. nurtured into it. Yeah. And we didn't really—I didn't really have any of those things. So, like, I would definitely have done societies if I knew more about them. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, I couldn't really at London yeah, University. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what, what for you, like, because, you know, without trying to sound like a stalker, like, you... <laughs> what are you about to say? Well, okay, no, I mean, obviously I've got to do my research, but, <laughs> um, you know, you did a lot of singing when you were younger, yes, like, yeah, you know, yeah. you've got your, another company, you know, furniture, so there's design elements, artsy stuff, things, that's not in your degrees, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, yeah, these yeah. are things you need to do externally, so why are societies so important to you? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's all about different forms of, like, delayed gratification and short-term gratification and obviously the social media narrative is all about dopamine spikes and I mean not to get too scientific but everyone knows the brain impacts of that and it's very quick fix um kind of solutions and for me what I've really realized and, and wanted to champion since I was very young was kind of the benefits of delayed gratification of putting yourself out of your comfort zone to make it a bigger zone or like working on something that's potentially hard at the beginning and then the benefits of that is like unbelievable levels of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so enabling, facilitating those connections, enabling people to go to these events, build events. Like one of the other things that I am really excited that our platform allows is for those like passionate pub conversations where like you and I are like, oh my God, let's start a techno night with life drawing and like yeah. whatever. And then it like stays at the pub and we never talk about it again. Whereas like with the app, it's really as easy to like build a page, put it out there, reach the community in you know, such few steps. Um, so yeah, for me, like the importance of doing all that stuff was, was just so weird. Like I actually never got an Instagram account or a Snapchat account. Cause I realized like when everyone was kind of getting them at 14, 13, I was like, I could just see the, the difference between short-term and long-term gratification and like the impact that it could potentially have. And I was like, okay, and that was almost when I became so mission-driven. So I'm, I didn't have the idea for any what I was going to build there, but I realised I was kind of going to devote my life to this in whatever form. Um, and just to say about the other company, it's kind of looking at the... So it's like a very much a side hustle situation, but it's looking at the idea of short-term gratification from overconsumption. So we upcycle furniture fundamentally. Mm-hmm. And that's like how quick-fix culture has become, you know into like a fast fashion, fast furniture issue. But it's always for me been about that disparity. Yeah, well, one thing for me that I, you know, I'm really gutted that I wasn't doing over uni, I've just recently remembered how much I love it. It's like table tennis. I was like, yeah, yeah. I, when you were younger, it's table not tennis. too late. Well, I know that's what I mean, you know, join uni. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably be a You can probably t- still join your uni t- table tennis oh, uh, society. Yeah. Well, yeah. who knows? But yeah, I, I think I'll find a club or something. I don't know. I live in London. Surely there's yeah, everything be, in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, actually think, I think ping pong was invented in London. Shut up. <laughs> I'm not joking. I think there's a, there's a bar that, like, I remember walking past and it had a sign up and it said, this is where ping pong was Yeah, but invented. they would say that. No, it was like, you know, there's like uh-huh. blue plaques, like blue plaques. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not joking. Right, anyway, worth looking into. Yeah. We'll figure that out for you after, you know, Thank we'll, you. Yeah, our people will contact your people. We'll <laughs> um, get some ping pong tape. Maybe next podcast over ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, well, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think it touches on a good thing, even, you know, like the, with table tennis or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I think the importance of doing things outside of you know your work as well sure. like it's something that's so important and generally just the idea of like managing your your mental everything as best you can because you know you're so trying to control everything in your whole life with business you have to you know people don't take you seriously if you haven't got everything written down and whatever like and you want to be a bit like careless and the rest of it you know just do whatever you want and, and sport and everything facilitates that for you outside of your life what do you think is important to keep doing like 
to keep you happy. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, definitely, like, sport is, is really important to me. Um, I love, like, you know, team sports. Um, I love kind of just, you know, I, I like kind of competing within sport as well. I don't know, it's just, like, a kind of a good release for me. Um, having, like, quality time with my friends um, and just, like, you know, space to kind of be there, talk, catch up support each other seeing I also I love I love speaking about what people are doing <laughs> I think like one of the things that it's a bit of a curse of like you know obviously people who know me know what I'm working on when it's a bit of a curse because like people want to ask you about that and they want to talk about it because it's different right and like I'm always there like no 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 I want to hear about what you're doing yeah. like because I, I really think like you can learn so much from just like the people you love watching them rise up like I think like mm. that's such a cool and also fall down sometimes and, you know, pick themselves up and whatever. Like, I think that's, like, a really, really crucial thing. Um, but, yeah, definitely, yeah, the friend stuff, family as well, and, like, you know, well, support, I mean, basically. The reason why I ask is, and it's what I'm really trying to do with the graduate guide, is that I don't want it just to be a podcast that you tune into and it's, like, you get your startup advice, you get this new sure. advice on how to get investment and how to do this because, yes, those things are important and when you're in it, you need to learn these things, but... I think my real problem is that like there's too many like paralyzing fe- feelings while you're mm. at university or whether it's like everybody's going to a corporate career, everybody's yeah. doing that and it's just like your mental is the most important thing to actually make you want to do these things. If you can't get that right, you'll just never do it. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not a podcaster or like technically I guess hey, I am yeah, now. Yeah, you but, are. Well, yeah. I mean, Manifest it, come on. What yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> I did, you know, I started third year, I wasn't and, and I was just, I wouldn't have done it unless I'd got myself to like a really like happy point like mm. yeah. in, my, in my own life um, and yeah I, I what do you think for you guys like your like drivers for making uni like wanting to continue it like because when you're in it again it's also very taxing very, very you sure. need to really know what you want out of it yeah. you know if you talk about short term long term like long term where, where is uni going to end up for you guys? What, what's the plan? Oh, yeah. Big question. Yeah, big question. I mean, I think, you know, what we've sort of, I guess, spoken about already is, like, we have this mission, this, like, vision of, of, of impact, right? And a vision of basically allowing all students, no matter their backgrounds, no matter, like, their experiences or whatever, to make the most out of their time at university because, fundamentally, that period of your life, it's the first time you've gained independence from your parents, it's the first time kind of got a little bit of financial freedom like you know obviously students don't have very much money but they can start to kind of make choices in life right and I think during that period of that of your life like you need to have as many choices as possible um, so you can try different things out I think a big tragedy and something that's actually getting better for sure um, but I think a big tragedy is like you know we kind of get siloed into things young and I made that mistake myself and this is like you know come when I was a kid I grew up I watched Suits and I was told lawyers, they're like a good thing to do. Mm. So like, I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and study law, right? Because that will, you know, and this was like, you know, you're 16, 17, whatever, however, you, you know, I can't remember what I put my personal statement, but however young it was when I first fell in love with law, you know, that was nothing more than really just like, yeah, nice. no, it, exactly, it, it wasn't. And, and why? Because, you know, I, 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 I didn't know my options. I didn't know my, and it's a very similar thing to what you're doing with trying to show people the different paths that they can go through. I think that period of life, like, we want students to try lots of different things, try out their passions, 
you know, be it on the kind of entertainment side of things, like the sport, the leisure, that mm. kind of thing, you know, hobbies, but also on like the career stuff, the different kind of, you know, events, networking things, whatever it might be. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, and, yeah, we want to spread that everywhere. You know, mm. our vision is that we have improved that problem statement for people at all universities and, and, and within that in age world. group in the world. Yeah, I mean, why, like, that is obviously like, yeah, why we're And especially in, in, in kind of places that, are, you know, are less fortunate than certain universities that are kind of lacking all forms of community organisation, like how we can really revolutionise as many student experiences as possible. UK, EU, like, US of A would be pretty sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think when you're talking about, you know, finding your passion for law and, like, you know, it's, it made me think of something that I've been thinking about a lot recently and it's this idea that and, and maybe all three of us have it in common and that's why we're sitting around this table mm -hmm. doing something for our own but there, I've never had like something that I've really felt like I'm just the best at this so I'm obviously just going to do this for the rest of my life like yeah. you know like you're really good at maths you'll then sure. do maths at uni and you'll yeah. be like like pigeonholed into like this you know that's your career route that's your, yeah. the obvious next step or something to do with that or like medicine and you're good at biology and it, and it follows that trend and you know I did history and I didn't really think that it, it led into anything necessarily mm. yeah. and I had to then go find it like you know and yeah. I, I, I actually take that as like a blessing now because it's given me the opportunity to like go out and find other things but you know since you were both young you've been doing loads of different things so it was hard for you to pinpoint one thing you wanted to do and it's cool that what you've actually doing now together as a business is almost like enabling as many people to to do those things i mean yeah. yeah i think i think also when people think about like what am i good at they often think of quite kind of like binary or like simple categories like am i good at math or like the school subject curriculum that we've you know organized our thoughts into yeah. but you can pull out something like quite niche like i'm really like empathetic like i'm really good at listening to people that is a fantastic school, a skill for like so many jobs. No Jesus in that as though. Yeah, in it, and it's yeah. like I would say like leading is eighty percent listening, and like, anyway. But like <laughs> in terms of, like I just think that people really need to be expansive with how they look at what they're good at, yeah. and realise that, you know, if if you're good at reading poetry, like public speaking, how could you put that into a profession, mm. um, and realise that you can upskill yourself to fill any gaps yeah. and you also you don't need to be able to do everything in any one job because you can always lean on other people that are stronger in certain things um so yeah 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 and just you know I, i'm curious about your your time at oxford you know i, I, I want to ask about it because you know it is everyone watching us will know like one of these very prestigious universities where like everyone the talks about true. yeah <laughs> but the, the work the workload is very intense yeah. and it's very hard and you know, you're both very social, lovely people, and, and I can tell that, like, and did you feel like you fully fit in in Oxford, and, like, with the, you know, the high, the high ambitions of it, like, the you know, they hold you to account massively, like, yeah. your experience with the whole thing, like, would you go back and do it again? Because for me, of UCL, like, I think, obviously, it's probably not as demanding, it's obviously still a top uni and everything, but I look back on it, like, with history, it wasn't really... I didn't feel like I excelled in history. I didn't yeah. become a historian there, but I'm thankful for what it made me like understand while I was there, like the people I got to meet, you know, and living in London. Now. This well, could be history here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And <laughs> I, I, I just want to know, yeah, with, with Oxford, like, how do you reflect on the whole experience in general? 
have different answers here. We have different answers here. Okay, so for me, um, I think basically the way my like brain works, um, I it was a mistake to choose a a very vocational degree potentially, um, and b just like a, a type of a degree, like a degree type. I mean, law is like it uses a very specific part of your brain, and it uses it over and over and over again, right? Um, now <clears throat> that meant that I actually struggled with work quite a lot um and you know i definitely you know if i look at like all my friends and all that kind of stuff like i definitely in terms of my final results would have probably been the bottom of like my close mates right now that might like oxford also as you mentioned before it's a place of imposter syndrome so like there was definitely a part of me which was kind of like is it just is this just because i suck like is it because i'm not very good at this or is it for other things and i think what what i think it was was actually you know, ultimately, and this is not university, this is not Oxford's fault, this is actually, the, I think, the UK edu like higher education system's fault. Um, we should totally have some form of, like, liberal arts, uh, like, you know, situation where you can kind of mix and match modules and degrees and build up different parts, because I would have found that way, way, way more... Um, well, 18 is a crazy age to just decide, oh, yeah. this, this is it, isn't it? Yeah, for sure, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and to then do that, and if you picked wrong, which I realised I did, and then you picked wrong in Oxford, where you know law like such the, an aggressive place to pick wrong. Yeah, the, the, the average lawyers <laughs> who I knew were like you also know, so just, impressive to get yeah. in after having picked like to. I mean, yeah, amazing. yeah, maybe. Sorry. But like the average lawyers, you know, were probably putting in like nine hours, ten hours of reading a day, um, close to seven days a week, right? So, you know that <laughs> I it's it's just impossible to to keep up with that um, if you don't have that motivation. So. Yeah. You know, but a, the, the there's so there's that kind of like slightly regretful look at my time at university, but then that's as I said that's not unique to Oxford. I would have made that mistake in any university. Yeah. Um, I just perhaps got more punished for it in Oxford because it was so difficult to sure. keep up the workload. The flip side was that what Oxford does have, what we're super privileged. Anyone who goes to Oxford like is privileged to be able to get is obviously just like the vast array of resources and support mm. that they have with everything else right you like you know the grounds are phenomenal like the space is beautiful they have you know all this like money and funding that goes into all kinds of different activities you have your college and your college has like tons of its own like mini societies and you have the university and it has all the societies so like you know what i what i basically kind of realized quite quickly was like okay i'm i kind of suck at my degree let's just like baseline that let's deal with that but what i'm going to make up for during my time i'm going to make sure i make them i try and make the most out of the others and that's why I was like, I, I want to found this business. I want to get staff on it because, you know, that's something I can dedicate my time to. You know, when we had our final exams, you know, which was obviously just like, I mean, law degree is 100% of the degree in those two weeks of exams, right? So nothing beforehand counts. Um, nine, ten modules or whatever. Uh, we, would have, we would have those at 9 a.m., you know, there's an exam there, three hours, four essays. And, you know, I'd wake up beforehand and I'd be doing business calls or I'd be checking in with, like, the rest of the team. You know? So, like, we, you know, I, I made my peace with I'm not going to, like, necessarily get that kind of academic, you know, which, which is something that, like, you know, I think is difficult because you are surrounded by, like, super smart people who, like, are, like, achieving lots. But I made my peace with that because, actually, I thought, you know, whilst I'm here, I'm going to 
learn from these people as much as I can because um, they are like way smarter than me and just like get involved with the other stuff so I can build out that like the other parts of my brain basically. yeah I, th I think people appreciate that massively because you know there is like this idea that you know Oxford is you know, you, you, you've got to be super academic everybody just like gets everything done it's like yeah. that's just the kind of person you are but like there'll be people at Oxford or people you know not at Oxford who, who just aren't you know they don't feel like that education is for them, but yeah. you know, you get taught this. You know, one thing you probably did get from it is like just getting something done. You know, yeah. and and that's probably helped you in business. Like when you don't want to do sure. it, when you you know your favorite part of the business you're not getting to do, it, you still have to get it done. Yeah. But then 100%. just lean into the things that you do enjoy the most. So yeah. And how about yourself? Yeah, I I actually did enjoy my degree. I did languages. I did um, Spanish and Italian. And for me, it allowed me to do so many different types of things from like the more mathematical translation side to literature to actually like going and living in these places. And I think I was very lucky with kind of the breadth of a modern language degree. Um, I think that on the back of that, I also just like made it my thing. that was like, I really wanted to meet as many, like Oxford in terms of the people that are there. Like it, it, they're, they're so amazing. They're really the experience as much as the like tutorials and like seeing all the different ways, what does working hard mean to all of these different people? What does passion mean? And like, I tried to be involved with lots of different music and drama and, and like interacting with as many different humans and way of being creative and seeing what other people did outside of their degree. So for someone like Omar, you know, his creativity and his passion came out in business. And when I did the drama, it was in that. And I, I really loved those kind of interactions and I realized like how many people would have benefited from from that and and like kind of the impact that like I would sometimes drag my friends to different or like they drag me to events and realizing that when we once we all got together and dragged each other to our different things that we do aside from our degrees um, like how we discover new things about ourselves about the other people and so I kind of became committed to like finding out as much about that kind of side of the uni experience and realizing that like Oxford is seen as just this academic, you know, for, I don't know, like pinpoint or whatever, but really like all of those people have such interesting quirks mm -hmm. and they're normally if you're passionate about one thing, like maybe you like collect stamps as well or something. And like, I love just finding out about how weird everyone is yeah. in like the best way. And I think that that's not exclusive to Oxford at all. I think whether it be your degree or side, like everyone has their like passion. Um, so for me, like that was kind of like the Oxford experience almost yeah no, that's great and a question we ask all of our guests and, and as we're getting towards the end of the episode I like to know about when you arrive at Oxford as a first year student you have this idea of you know, what is the pinnacle of success for you like how will you how will you do that how will you achieve it and then now you know you've graduated you're one year as university uh, into your making your company you're about to actually announce it and release it what's your idea of success in career and life in general I, th I think in my case I think I think success is a skill and and like as is kind of most like happiness is such a skill as well so I think for me it's not like a static destination it's like such a dynamic moving thing and I I kind of check myself and ask myself that question like what's success today for me and like right now it's like having an authentic conversation with you and and it's when you're building a business you constantly have to balance long term with short term because we have this big vision of like you know changing you know the portion of the world and the, you know the student market but short steps how do we 
achieve that. So it's kind of a constant balance, but right now success for me is, is producing the product that we can in response to all of like the user-driven feedback that we've kind of had and making all of that and like and changing, you know, at the moment we're kind of launching in Oxford and, and really like nailing that launch and increasing the amount of messages that I get where people are like, wow, that really helped me. Mm. Like right now that's kind of a metric. And I know that next week it could be something completely different. Like I'm doing a big social media next week. It will be, could be like count. And like, I think it's okay if sometimes success is something quite banal or like analytical but I think that you should constantly change it and check yourself and maybe this evening when I'm with my friends success is like listening to their work day and being like am I present in this moment to be there for their issues I think yeah yeah I think I agree in the sense that like basically this like idea that success is always going to vary and it kind of changes from time to time um you know, you asked what was it like when we first started at university. Was, you know, I think even in such a short period of time, it's, you know, it's been, I guess, like what, four years, whatever, four or five years. Uh, so we, have, we have four degrees, so yeah, about four or five years. Um, my understanding of success then was way different, I think, to what it is now. I think then I was like a lot more caught up in the, you know, the kind of corporate world and like, you know, what does it mean to be successful? Like, you know, I don't know. I was like, whatever Mike Ross has, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's got to be it, right? You know? Um, and I think I basically realised that actually what really matters to me is just being kind of, you know, I think, I think yeah, if, if I can look back at my life and my career and think, like, I've made, you know, the people who I've managed to come into contact with, have come, you know, they, I've made their lives better, I've improved, you know, their lives, um, then I think that'll be a success. And I think, you know, Starting a company, starting a business, is a, it can be a really great vehicle for doing that and for kind of maximizing your impact mm. if you end up doing it well. There are other ways as well. You know, you can, for the lawyers out there, like, you can... <laughs> Do you, you not can, feel bad about... No, 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 no. <laughs> But, you know, some of the best ways, some of the biggest changes in history have come from people challenging, you know, in court for civil rights and, and the, the incredible things that come out of that. Or mm. Students might get their money back if it all goes well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Playing yeah. Booth. Oh, really? Yeah, so sign up for that if you haven't. Yeah, sign yeah. up for that. Let's, oh, let's sue those universities. Day. That's that's what I'm sure. <laughs> Hey, we want them on our sides. Stop. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, but yeah, you know, I think there are, there are lots of different vehicles for like driving impact and, um, you know, yeah, I, I just want to, I kind of want to basically try and maximise that. So how that breaks down to the day to the day, it can be by, as you said, being really present and having great moments, supporting a friend, being there for them, um, and, or it could be, you know, having a great launch and lots of people enjoying our products and that making their university experience better. Like, I think you kind of just want to sort of maximise that, <laughs> maximise that, right, on your graph. Yeah. And then and then we buy loads of fast cars. Just... <laughs> yeah, electric cars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly you guys have been been great today and I think yeah, for the graduate guide these are exactly the kind of episodes I want to do because you know, it's very topical to you know, university. These are the people we're trying to help help with the podcast and yeah, it's very clear that you're not just doing this as a get rich quick scheme there's no element of that at all. Like This would not be the best way to yeah, do it. Yeah. 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 No, I know, but like <laughs> You know, some people do chase that kind of thing yeah. straight after university and sure. you know, I really respect what you guys are doing and you know, one thing to end it all explain uni in 30 seconds go do you want to do this? ok well let's do it together
I'll do 15, you do 15. Okay, Are we started? Ah. Yeah. Okay, so um, uni is a extracurricular operating system. So it's one app for all of your societies, events, student extracurricular activities. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Woo! Yeah, scientifically, and then impact helps right. you find your people passions. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>